Hello again, everyone. I'm Tom Oglesby on FM 98.3 KCRD. This is The Chatter. Colleen Pasnick. Janet Wegner. And we're beginning in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Episode 16, ladies, we haven't been canceled yet. No. No, but there's a growing list on YouTube of people that have been canceled. What are you seeing? Well, Census Fidelium, um, I think I'm saying that right, they were canceled from YouTube, and... I love when she speaks Latin. (laughs) (laughs) And what does that mean in Latin? Um, Of course, I don't know. Right off the top of my head, you're putting me on the spot. Sense of the faithful, I think. Um, Sense? How, sense like, of the faithful. Sense like of the, the faithful? Fa- yeah. Yes, okay. Fidelium is faith. Faith. Um, they were canceled from YouTube. They had like over 4,000 videos that re- were, were removed, and they had no warning and no strikes. And this group covers a lot of orthodoxy in our church, and they're an excellent place to go for teaching. Like Father Ripperger has been on there, and he's an exorcist. He's, um, I believe, one of the top exorcists in our country. And um, <laughs> what's all this attention to demons here, anyway? Oh, well, not the demons. I'll, I'll give them. You know, I give credit to Mary. She she crushes his head. So so this um, so if I wanted to watch a video that they did, I can't find them on YouTube anymore. That's what no, you're saying, right? So you have to go to their website. Are they still on their website? I got their yeah. website. I think this is the oh, website. Oh, that's yeah, it. That's right the there. one. So they have their website. Uh, It'll be interesting to see where else they post. You know, Rumble is well, a place they have to have the line. original somewhere on a hard drive somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I saw one of my bloggers, or, or I don't know if that's right, what, whoever texts me, what do you call it, texters? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Said that he had been downloading them from their site and had four or 500 of them on his hard drive. Wow. But... That's nothing as compared to what the body of their work is. I mean, right. no, they've been doing well. They have homilies. significantly more than that. Yeah, they had homilies on there. They had teachings about the Catholic faith. Um, a lot, you know, with like the exorcism talks and with Father Ripperger, he did a lot of series on different things. So here's the real uh, issue here in the headline, though, is uh, think about this for a moment. The, the Constitution identifies the powers of the federal government as granted by the citizenry and, and what's reserved to the states. And the Bill of Rights uh, enumerates the citizens' rights. And the First Amendment is freedom of speech, mm-hmm. freedom of uh, assembly and association, and, and freedom to worship uh, religion. So think about this now. So rather than the government limiting free speech high-tech at the behest of government is silencing people and and um, it's going to be a real interesting first amendment free speech here of course this is that um, 
what is that code 212 of the communications act is it 212 or is it 202 or whatever that number is uh i'm getting blank stares yes, here from no colleen idea. Yeah. Um, well the point here is is you're as a social media you are either a platform or you are a publisher yes if you're a platform that says you can speak to any subject uh Within reason, but you you can't ho- uh, holler fire in a theater, right? Yeah, but if you're a platform, you are just that. You are a forum for debate, discussion, and the free exchange of ideas. If you are censoring, you are a publisher. You are you are saying this is what we believe, and and you're so these social medias are behaving like publishers but they're they're going to they're presenting themselves as platforms that's right and some of go ahead no i was just going to say and i think that there's a tax difference in the two like there's a reason that they've they've classified themselves as platforms and not publishers and on a very simple level you know like with what facebook got in trouble for well actually quite a few of them is exactly this canceling certain groups um and you can't do that because of freedom of speech well and there's a certain degree of utility that's come together here uh, with the communications act here i mean when you when a significant portion of the 350 million americans are communicating uh, privately or publicly on these platforms you uh you just you uh, it's going to be an, a real interesting battle for the first amendment here it will be and i think that the first amendment says that government well that that's just not. it that's just it yeah yeah but infringe. so somebody got smart enough to get around here and say let's get a tech company to do our dirty work mm-hmm. yeah and you know the interesting thing is too is like if you go out to a certain uh, search engine there's not that many companies that operate the search engines, so that's that's part of the issue. So, um, Gab, I'm trying to think of the chief. Um, Torver? To- Something like that. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, he did his own, so Gab is his own. Right. So that's another option. Um, All the more reason to subscribe to the bellowing ox. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Pure Catholic faith coming at you, right. bellowing out. Yeah. Right. But you know, it's it's um we're moving quickly toward totalitarianism because if uh in the past, and that was just last week, mm-hmm. you know, if if you got flagged for something, you had a warning. Right. right. And you had a little bit of time to take it down or reconsider, whatever. Now there's no warning for those folks. They were just taken down with no reason, no warning. I mean, we're quickly moving toward totalitarian so what are the primary bullet points again i know we've talked about this on and off in many of our pod or in our um chatter episodes but somebody was talking about kind of the main bullet points of what a totalitarian communistic regime is like and what's the first thing they do is it is it censoring of speech well it's among the first yeah if Every every uh, coup that happened in Central America, the first thing they took over was the newspapers, the radio stations, and mm-hmm. and uh, put a patrol at the uh, city well 
where and, everybody congregated. Right, and then another one is the sexual perversion. They're they're pr- promoting what we see now: all the transgender surgeries, all the um, homosexual relationships as being normal. Mm-hmm. They're normalizing the demented and sure. the dysfunctional. Sure. As an attack against the uh, nuclear family, which is the cornerstone of, of society here. So mm-hmm. if you want to destabilize society, attack attack the family here. Hey, here, here's a good connection because I spent uh, significant time in the last uh, 72 hours. I don't know how Garen Bondell uh, came, came into me here, but... Uh, you know, if you spend time before the Blessed Sacrament here, there, it's just amazing how you talk about signal graces in one of the recent episodes with the Rosary and the 15 Promises, Colleen. Mm-hmm. But so all of a sudden, Garen Bandel, do I say that right? Garen Bandel? Garen Bandel? Garen Bandel. Which is in Spain, and the uh, four girls that were the seers uh, in uh, the early 1960s. And the... Uh, so there's there's three levels of uh, approval or disapproval by the church. One, they disapprove. Two, they do approve. Or three, they're withholding judgment upon further items here. But uh, there's a couple of priests that are, are uh, working with the cause. In any event, it hasn't been condemned. But the, uh, the secrets, the prophecies in here, talking about the warning and the chastisement, and as they began unrivaling, what, what is the warning? What's part of the chastisement? And uh, it became clear that the chastisement, as predicted at Garen Bendel, is communism. Mm-hmm. To your point, we're quickly eroding into... The, the whole world has already gone there. We are here isolated, especially in this section of the United States here in the heartland. If you're on either side of the coast, the People's Republic of California, or what's going on in some of the great uh, metropolitan uh, segments here in the eastern time zone. But here in the Midwest, we're uh, somewhat isolated. The rest of the world is pleading and praying that the United States holds on. This We are the the uh, beacon of democracy. We are the light of liberty. And um, the rest of the world has already succumbed to this totalitarian regime worldwide. And uh, if not for America. And if America falls, where would people go? Game over. Game over. But to uh, your point about Garibandal and the messages, you yes. know, that's a yeah. direct connection to Fatima. Mm-hmm. Because what did Our Lady say? You know, she wanted uh, the Holy Father and the bishops united with him to consecrate Russia to her Immaculate Heart um, so that it would not spread its errors. Which are? Well, communism, communism. I mean, right? Abortion. Right, divorce. I mean, they were, they were way ahead of the rest of the world on some of these um, horrible things. So the fact that she warned us back in 1917 about the errors of Russia... And now you're saying such a, a wayward serfdom. Yeah. Think think about Russia in uh, in the uh, first two decades of the 20th century. You know who would have and and the uh, children, the uh, the sheep herders, Jacinta and uh, Francisco and Lucia. Lu- Lucia, 
they, they came back saying, who's Russia? They thought Russia was a person. They'd never heard of it. That's right. You're right. Good memory. Good point. You know, yeah. I, I think these apparitions are, you know, in our Catholic faith, in the catechism of the church, it teaches that in order to be have salvation in the Catholic Church, you're not forced to be, have to believe in these apparitions. But I know for my own self, it's really deepened my faith. Um, because one, I studied the apparitions, a lot of them, Fatima, La Salette, um, um, Garbandel, and, and even some of the contemporary mystics and seers I, I try to pay attention to. And I'm not really drilling down onto one, because you have to be careful. Um, there's nothing that's been revealed that hasn't already been revealed in Scripture. That's the most important thing that people need to remember. I don't want to get to my immediate judgment and look Jesus Christ in the face and have him say, Tom, I sent my mother to you and the rest of Portugal and Spain and wherever, (laughs) and you said it wasn't worthy of consideration. Yeah. Let me think about that. I know. You know, like how many times, one of the things that always makes me cringe is at Fatima, she said that I would like the um, five first Saturday devotions to my Immaculate Heart by reciting the rosary, meditating on a mystery for 15 minutes. And you you can go anywhere in the country and not necessarily find a mass that's even available what on a Saturday. What gets me about those kinds of things, though, is think about that. I don't have time for five minutes and yet you you look at look at your uh, we're, we're wrapping up the uh, the big grilling season here the outdoor parties and all of that and you look at what people spend their time on you know what'd you do this week what are you going to do this next week here oh i've got to go to this ball game and have you seen this netflix deal and there's a series they don't have shows anymore they have series as i understand although i did dump my netflix uh, connection attaboy but the point is We've got time for all of this, and yet, as Vince Mize proved, you can pray a rosary in 16 minutes. And those five uh, mysteries, reverently, by the way, he does. And I just, you know, the thing that breaks my heart in some of this is when people say that, you know, you don't have to um, buy into them in order to be saved. That's true, but the thing is, is that (laughs) the apparitions are pointing to the gospel. True. You know, and they're also Mary is going deeper, talking in these apparitions. Pick one, I don't care. Um, my son has been offended much. Is the common message? She's weeping in La Salette. Um, also, she was a very sad Mary in one one of them in the Fatima in one of the months on the thirteenth because she appeared on the thirteenth. And then um, for those people who don't believe in hell. I think it was the July apparition of Fatima on July 13th where the kids, she showed them hell. And Jacinta was so overcome by it that mm-hmm. she spent the rest of her life trying to save souls mm-hmm. from from being lost to hell. That's right. And the thing that I cannot understand is how the church, on one hand, can approve the apparitions at Fatima, which they did, right? So on the one hand, the church says... Those are apparitions worthy of belief. Mm-hmm. And yet they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. I don't get that. I really don't understand. If they say, yep, that truly was the mother of God. She proved herself with miracles. Those apparitions, those messages can be approved, uh, can be believed. We approve those. 
but then they didn't do what she asked. That's mind-boggling to me. The other thing that's mind-boggling to me on that same level is 70,000 people were at that event in the COVA in Fatima in, in Portugal. If you have 70,000 people show up here, it's called a sporting event and it's news. In a rainstorm. In a rainstorm and the people were dry. And not only that. Put every dry cleaner within 30 miles of Fatima out of business for exactly. a week. And they weren't all believers when they went there. A no. lot of them went to scoff. Atheists. Some atheists. Communists. Newspaper writers, communists. Right? Freemasons. Miracles, Miracles so, happening. Did I mention Freemasons? Yeah. Oh, that's a, we need to, we that's need to the go F into word. Freemason. We need to go Freemason. <laughs> uh, Taylor Marshall talked about that being the F word. Yeah. Well, I think the, uh, the point uh, Colleen's drilling down here on this is uh, they're not... The, the, the apparitions are approved, yet they don't take the initiative. And two things came out in Fatima and Garen Bondala, the uh, bishop against bishop, priest against priest, the, mm-hmm. uh, the internal mm-hmm. fighting. And any place there's division, this is a sign of uh, the demonic. And uh, the second quote, which just unnerves me, is, is when the Blessed Mother looks at the children in these apparitions and says the... Uh, the cup of iniquity, which was uh, full, is now overflowing. Right. How much more can my beloved son, not just his son, but God the Father. Right, and that was 1917 for Fatima. In 1960 through 65, Yeah, I think. because the world's gotten a lot better since 1960. Yeah, there's oh significant improvement oh, here. Oh, my goodness. So it's, yeah, I don't know. It's quite a thing. But I thought if you approve it, then why don't you do what she says? If you say we believe that's the mother of God, but to not do it, I that's just boggles my mind. And one of the things that's important about the apparitions that maybe we can pick up in the next segment is what specific sins was she referencing and what kind of penances was she asking for? Well, we're going to hit the third rail in the next segment here. We're talking about sin on the chatter. I'm Tom Oglesby. Janet Wagner. Colleen Pasnick. We'll be back after these announcements. We are back. How we got going on the uh, headlines there, but we uh, we dug deep, Janet. We did. That's we were, what we do. We had to call her off, Colleen, here because she was ready to go right into segment two. She so, was. We know. had to rein her in. Where uh, where'd we leave off there? We were going down the. Uh, we were talking about the apparitions, and one of the things that we maybe wanted to get into a little bit was the Marian apparitions. Correct. The Marian apparitions, and then what what specifically did Mary speak about in these apparitions as far as sin? And then what did she ask for as far as penance? Curious that each of them, we, we started talking about Garen Bendal, but then Akita snuck in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Fatima. Fatima. La Salette. Uh, La Salette, not to mention Our Lady of Guadalupe and yep. Our Lady Lourdes. of Good Success, all of them. But Fatima seems to be the pinnacle of um, of messages, but everything else, the, the messages seem to reinforce or or amplify mm-hmm. Fatima's message. Colleen, mm-hmm. you had a couple of um, mm-hmm. uh, messages that you pulled up. Uh, curious uh, how that wardrobe, the dressing, uh, oh. came up. Talk about that. Yes, one of the ladies, uh, one of the, excuse me, one of the words that our lady said to the children was, certain fashions will be introduced that will offend the Lord very much. 
Now think about this. It's 1917. They wear about seven layers of clothes right, at the time, in 1917. right? And hats and everything and and skirts down to the ankles. And gloves. Gloves, Stockings. right? Right. So Veiled um, in church. Yep. Yep. So they're wearing lots of clothes in 1917. But she says certain fashions will be introduced that will offend our Lord very much. And let's let's talk about that. What kind of fashions do we think she's talking about if we were to take a look at our population today in Dubuque, Iowa? I don't think she's talking about today here. I mean, it strikes me as I'm listening to you, Colleen. This is 1917, the second decade. What was right after that? The the, the Roaring Twenties. Right, yeah. and the dress code did change a lot. You're right, Tom. Right. In the Twenties, the Roaring Twenties. The dresses went above the knee. Dresses went up, the flappers. I mean, that was, think of The Great Gatsby. Think of a lot of immorality, drinking. Yep. It's almost like A lot the of elbows, 60s. a lot of thighs, a lot, yeah, right? of, a lot of... Uh, a lot of flesh being shown. That was in the Twenties. It's almost like a preview of the Sixties, a mm-hmm. little bit, right? As mm-hmm. far as morals. Um, but then the Great Depression happened. And that mm-hmm. kind of pulled everybody back. Um, but think about this. This is a curious thought. What would possess our blessed Lord to send his mother to warn the faithful and the unfaithful in 1917? What, what's, what happened? That's, this is the 20th. What happened in the 19th and the 18th century? What was going on then with respect to morals? Because a lot of this... The warnings center on uh, the subject of morality, eh? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Go deeper on that. So we have a few things that happened in 1517, right? Mm-hmm. 400 years before Fatima. 1517, we know is the year Martin Luther broke from the church. Mm-hmm. 1517. 200 years after that, 1717 was Freemasonry right. started. So it's kind of interesting that 1517, a major break in the body of Christ. 1717, 200 years later, another major offensive uh, toward the church was founded and started to get its legs. And And then 200 years after that, we have Fatima. So you're right, Tom. That wasn't just out of the blue. There was definitely a But it's just not Fatima. It's the... uh... Sunday Bloody Sunday, it's the Russian Revolution. It's the introduction of communism to the world, which Mm -hmm. is what our Blessed Mother was speaking of, right? And you're right. And if you go back to Luther broke from the church, so there was division. Mm -hmm. 200 years later, Freemasonry introduced. That's also when you can start to pinpoint the infiltration in the church um, with everything that uh, we may be seeing now. And then 200 years later after that is Fatima, and it's like Mary and, God, and heaven is trying to warn us to say, hey, it's not going well for you. You need to stop. And with the whole communist thing um, with, with Russia, the world wars, World War One, and then World War Two came, as she promised, because we didn't change our ways. Mm-hmm. And World War Two was worse than World War One. Mm-hmm. You know, something that I read one time was that nudity is a characteristic of the demonic. Yes, it is. So, because in the scripture we read about the demoniac who wasn't wearing any clothes and had broken all his chains. So, being naked, um, not wearing clothes, that is a symptom of the demonic. So, for her to say certain fashions will be introduced that are, I mean, we've all seen it. We've all seen the scanty clothes, the all that stuff. Um, to say that certain fashions will be introduced that uh, offend the Lord very much, 
is in a way saying that demonic is at the root of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. What else, though, in addition to the wardrobes, the uh, sexuality, uh, but our Blessed Mother's coming in and talking about the the uh, withholding the hand of her son. He's his, The cup is overflowing. It's just not that one particular It's sin. not. In fact, her last words that she said at Fatima were, do not offend the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the th- three big... Lord offenses are Janet. You pulled some of those. Well, up. some you know at La Salette, you know what she told those two seers was that your people use the Lord's name in vain, which is the second commandment, right? And then the other thing that she brought up in that apparition is is you're working on Sundays, which is the third commandment. Mm-hmm. And those are the greatest offenses against God is those first three commandments. And the first commandment, which is idolatry, right? You shall not have it. So mm-hmm. what what are the 21st century idolatry idols, uh, but let's think if we can synthesize the 18th and 19th century idolatry, which forced, compelled our blessed Lord to send his mother for a warning. Because, you know, we always think that if we go back there, this is great, great, great grandma, great, 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 grandma if you go back five six generations into the uh, 19th century the late 18th century and we all think that oh grandma was rather naive and pure and a puritan perhaps not so well and to answer your question on some level is it was technology not as technology as we know it now but the industrial revolution how so what are you saying there well, the amount of time that we put into work, the work week, and not only that, women who stayed at home were now working because of the war in factories and plants and sure. bringing in a wage. And the idol in that was our production. Um, I mean, it, it just boomed. I mean, the Industrial Revolution, it just boomed economically all over the world, but led by the United States. But didn't it also cause an inversion of that first commandment? of, you know, Tom, you were asking about current day and modern day, modern meaning the past 100 or 200 sure. years. Um, what is that sin against that first commandment? Hasn't there been a real inversion of uh, the first commandment, I am the Lord your God, you shall not have any other gods before me. Hasn't it almost become I am God yeah. and I will Great decide point. what's right and wrong? It's Great an point. inversion, which is the same temptation that the evil one Presented to Eve, you will be like gods. And the, you will decide right, you will know right from wrong. You are dead on, Colleen. And one of the things that always strikes that attitude with me is when people say, I don't need to go to confession because I know right from wrong. That may be your issue and your God, but that's not mine. So mm-hmm. don't you judge me. Mm-hmm. But oh my, when they meet Jesus face to face on their deathbed, it's going to be an interesting time. Right. So I think some people say, well, I haven't broken the first commandment because I'm the Lord your God, thou yeah, shalt not have fa- fake idols before me, false idols, right? Well, the people think, well, I don't have a false idol on my wall, so I'm good. So the question to ask today is, what are our golden calves? Right now in our culture, what are our golden calves? Well, and everybody needs to do a little examination and see mm-hmm. what for them is their golden calf. But right. I think in general, it's the elevation of man in place of God. Yeah, we see it in our health care right now. We see it in our government right now. And that's an easy one to get here, but uh, mm-hmm. what, uh, I, I, it just drives me, because this, this whole idea of, of the first commandment, 
I mean, not that the second and third commandments are not important, but there's a reason why this is the first commandment. You'll have no strange gods before me. He's, it's Genesis. On the sixth day, God rested. He didn't rest because he was tired. He's calling man into his rest. It's the psalm that says, the wicked will not be in my rest. It's why, at, at and we're going to talk about this in the next segment on the poor souls of purgatory, we say, eternal rest unto them, O Lord. But when I'm driving around on Sunday, and you know, we, my dad used to do that here. Happy birthday, Dad, by the way. Uh, the, uh, there's a Sunday driver. You know, there used to be a point where you, you took a leisurely family mm-hmm. drive yep, around we here. We did that. We That's did when that. gas was 19 cents a gallon. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and we got six miles to the gallon, and we liked it. But, and you uh, didn't have to wear seatbelts. And we didn't have to wear seatbelts, but... Uh, you know the look at when you drive around anymore the I mean there's guys out there they're mowing their lawns and and all of that and I get that and I'll say well that's the only time I have to do it that's not what we're called to do isn't Sunday a time to spend time with God to be in his rest and to spend it with family yes absolutely I heard a saying, and I think it's perfect of what you're talking about right now, Tom. I heard it in a Bible study years ago, and it goes like this. Our great-grandparents called it the Holy Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Our grandparents called it the Sabbath. Our parents called it Sunday. We call it the weekend. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes exactly to what you're talking about, Tom, is we used to spend time on Sundays with family, doing a family drive, um, going to grandma's for family dinner, mm-hmm. right? Oh, those family dinners. What you would give today to have, you know, the, you know, especially with all the Germans around here. But, you know, the Irish never turned down a good uh, <laughs> sauerbraten or a beef roast uh, coming through here. But there were three or four generations of, of uh, families. The in-laws and the outlaws uh, enjoyed one another's company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Um, from my grandmother's lips, well, from her kids, they always said that grandma made pies and treated the in-laws better than her own children, you know, and all those wonderful traditions that were passed on, holidays and Sundays and things that you'd learn about your family. Mm -hmm. Kids don't know anything about their families anymore. You know, I think if any of our listeners um, are tuned in right now, I would put a challenge to our listeners to restart some of those traditions that we used to have on Sundays slowing down put the phone away put the phone away um if you're a mother or grandmother you know what invite your grandkids over I don't ever remember my father cutting the grass or asking one of us brothers to cut the grass on Sunday and we had grass Uh, we had not only our grass but grandma's grass because that's just what you did. Grandma, you, you wouldn't see grandma behind a lawnmower on any day of the week, certainly not on Sunday. No. How did that happen? How did uh, an entire city not cut their grass in 1963 on Sunday? I don't know, but it happened. It happened. It happened. Well, we got busier during the week. Work, you know, we became more productive. We, we made more money. We have all these time-saving devices Mm-hmm. We have microwaves that will do something in three minutes that used to take 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. We, we have 
instant coffee. We have those K-cup goofy things that you yeah. put in here to get it. We, we have time-saving, labor-saving devices. We should have a lot of time on our hands with all these devices, right? We don't have to go beat our laundry down at the river on a rock. We throw it in a machine. All sorts of time-saving devices. So what's happened that we don't spend Sundays with family? Mm-hmm. I think part of it in the 80s, part of it is when, um, especially around this area in the 80s, I know a lot of the listeners will remember, last one to leave Dubu- Dubuque, turn the lights out. I know they will remember that. And yeah. that's when I left in 86. Yeah. So a lot of people, a lot of families were dispersed in mm-hmm. the mid to late 80s. And suddenly, instead of everybody living in the same town um, or even the same county, suddenly now you've got kids on the, in California, you've got kids in Vermont, you've got kids in Texas, all over the place. That was the great exodus, wasn't From it? They, yep. they left for Texas, Colorado, Colorado California, North and Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. And yeah. now the uh, and that was a job that was an economic, um, predominantly economic because sure. graduating from college during that time there were no jobs. Right. It was the beginning of the Great Reset. Well, you you make a point, and since we're talking economics, um, I think it is now we're bearing the fruit of what happened way back then when they outsourced a lot of things from this country sure. and they sent them overseas, and a lot of people lost good-paying jobs that they could provide for their family and now now we're stuck with that there's ships that can't unload because all our stuff is made overseas and i think we're reaping what we sowed sure and if you uh think about that uh billy joel who you may or may not like but he's got a a great song book and and uh that's the era of the early 80s and one song comes to mind allentown allentown yep and it was a hit, and you know it had a had a. You know, how, how did Dick Clark say? Hey, I give it an eighty-seven. I like the beat, but uh, you know, if you listen to the lyrics now, as you say, I mean, because not that I didn't listen to the year, but I didn't know where Allentown was in the nineteen eighty-two. But uh, now, when you play those lyrics back and think about that and overlay what family life is, because what didn't happen in Dubuque but did happen in Allentown came to roost in Dubuque three centuries, or three, three centuries, three decades later. Absolutely, and it has, and it has really, uh, the family's really taken a hit, hit from that. So and what do we do? Well, that's a great question. How do we restore it? That's a great question. Because, you know, the family is the cell of society, and if the families are not working correctly together, if the families are blown apart, your society is blown apart. Well, and it, you know, to drill down quickly, what, we, what we're really getting at is it's the constant battle, the constant fight between good and evil. It's not conservative against liberal. It's not Republican against Democrat. It is a loss for the one true authoritarian, um, or excuse me, authority, which is God himself. You know, it seems to me, though, that that family Sunday here, as I, as I replay that here, I was blessed to have a couple of grandmas uh, being the oldest grandson. But uh, the, the day started early. Sunday started early. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, it started with uh, potatoes and the ovens were going and everything like that. But and uh, church, church it's is a big church, thing. church that you you just hit it, Janet. You're stealing my thunder. She, it, <laughs> it was church at seven or eight or yeah. I mean, a nine o'clock was the late mass. And you were considered lazy. And you were you were you were sleeping in mass. here. <laughs> yeah, Grandpa will go to this to the uh, nine o'clock mass here, but. Um, that's how the day started mm-hmm. and um and then you know dinner started right at at noon and uh you know if you were sm- smart enough you could weasel your way into the kitchen at 11. well and just the the meals and then because i can help move those pies <laughs> i bet you could <laughs> <laughs> yeah these are in your way granny <laughs> So, um, but to to get back to your question, Tom, of what can we do about it, I think um, as we wrap up this section, I would like to challenge people to um, do something even as small as don't shop on Sunday. Yeah. I think as we, small I, as that. I think we got to have more on that and on another show perhaps, but it doesn't do a whole lot of good in my estimation to tell people what not to do. I think we got to start telling people what to do and we got to we start filling that uh, half full glass and i think there. we got we have to tell them why yeah hey we're bumping up on segment three here coming in we got to take a break and we've been uh are we out oh we're out of time oh here. okay yeah i she looks like a third base coach down there with the signals <laughs> I, I don't know where she's going i, I don't know what signal she was <laughs> but we're to... coming back and we're going to talk about because uh, we've been talking about grandmas and grandpas and cousins and uncles and all of that most of them aren't here and we're going to talk about the souls in purgatory when we come back on the chatter hi again everybody we are back this is the chatter i'm tom oglesby with janet and with colleen and um I didn't see us going into uh, memory lane there, but that that was enjoyable here to uh, bring back some of uh, the, uh, the the great days, isn't it? Uh, amazing it is. what you yeah remember I mean, as a child. It's it's amazing, just such wonderful, sweet memories. And one of the things that you said as we were ending that segment is, those people aren't with us anymore. Well, I like how. Who brought it in? J- Janet brought it in, Colleen, that the the, uh, the morning started with Mass. Of course, most every parish, and what a blessing the Archdiocese of Dubuque, Little Rome, what a blessing Little Rome had yeah. with uh, more churches than any diocese in the country. Uh, and more priests, we're talking 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, and you had Mass beginning at 4 o'clock in the morning. Okay, admit that you went to the St. Pat's Mass at, was that at 4 or was it at 3? And after you would leave East Dubuque, you would hit Mass? No, I'm talking 1960s here. No, I was, uh, I... Were you an altar boy? They kept that Mass for a while, though. I've always been blessed looking younger than I really am. (laughs) Okay, but for those of us who didn't grow up in Dubuque, what do you got going on here? No, 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 so... We were blessed. Um, Mom and Dad still live uh, just a few blocks away from St. Patrick. And, um, you know, we I mean, we're, we're three blocks, four blocks out. So that 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock mass, that you needed a server. 
And uh, wow. And so, were you that guy? Well, and I have uh, a good brother. I have several good brothers. All of them are good brothers. But um, Steve's as close to an Irish twin as you get. He's 53 weeks younger than I. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we served a lot of masses. And I think they were, I think they were even houred, four, six, eight, ten. Mm-hmm. I think something be. like that. I just remember mom and dad talking about how they would go out and you know to East Dubuque after it closed in Dubuque, and uh, and then come back and go to mass at St. Pat's. Oh yeah, early, right before they went to bed. Sure. Wow. So because East Dubuque, all the bars and restaurants were open until I can four attest. o'clock in the morning. I can attest there was some snoring going on in some of those. Um, uh, pews back then <laughs> what a day but but remember those days the the churches were packed yeah they were you had your pew yeah right you knew which was your pew and rumor has it that in some parishes you paid rent for those pews well that's no rumor that's not a rumor in fact if you that's go, why they're numbered yeah if yep. you look at some of the some of the old uh, older brass church yeah. they have a brass tag on it and you paid a pew tax yeah yeah and my grandma grew up in Alta Vista, Iowa yeah. And it's up if, in my neck of the woods. It is. And if you go in that church today, they have a framed copy of whose pew was which. And I found the Weber pew, and that is always where we sat when That's we went awesome. to church. Sure it was. But it's hanging up on the wall there of whose pew was who was whose. It's like yep. a timeshare, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, my grandmother was, they were in St. Lucas, Iowa, same thing. And uh, I remember being a little kid, you know, my dad traveled for work when I was a young girl. And um, so a lot of times my mother would have us spend those weekends with my grand- grandparents. Enough of them where, you know, as a little a little one, being a toddler up until barely school age, I knew exactly where we were going to sit. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of fun just to go right in there, march right in there and genuflect. And I, I remember seeing the brass number that was sure. on the arm of the pew sure. and we'd go in there and I'd make sure I looked at grandma to make sure I had her approval and there we'd go. You know what we're really discussing here is culture. We're really talking about a Catholic culture that existed in our lifetime mm-hmm. and um, again I'm the oldest guy in the room here but, um, but not you're the lot. only guy in the room. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Boy, I got got a couple of lines going on right now that I'm not going to say here. This is the chatter on FM 98, and restraint is in place here. But the point is is that the culture of the church led popular culture, and popular culture uh, dictated the politics of the day. There was not that divisiveness. There 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 was a forum for debate of social issues and, and political stances, but there wasn't the canceling. The, the, you, you could have a great discussion, a great discussion on, on objects and subjects and, um, and, and the politics at a local, a county, state and federal level, and, and there, could be, uh, there could be disagreements. There could be labor and there could be union. There could be uh, business and there could be uh, a worker. Uh, but you were still family, and you were still Catholic. We've lost that. And I think there was still a common denominator of a Christian culture. A Christian base that practiced. Right. So even if you disagreed with someone of how to 
maybe implement that Christian teaching, that's that's different than um, if you don't even have a foundation that, that you both agree on. You I know, think that's a big difference. I think that was such a blessing then because even now I've, I mean, I run in a bunch of different groups and the number one challenge is, is you don't have any foundation when you get, get into there's some There's no critical there's, thinking. There's, there's, there's no critical one, thinking. There's there, no, there aren't the there's skills of common. critical thinking. Yeah. And, and, and there's, there's no classical education with respect to uh, fundamental logic, rhetoric. Well, and the one point that you brought up that I thought was excellent, um, the church led. The Catholic Church was the authority. Irregardless, especially in our diocese, the Catholic Church was the authority. The Protestants even respected that. Sure, they looked. The Protestants looked to the Catholic Church right. for leadership. Right, and so so often, if you have conversations around the water cooler, it might have had something to do with the homily. It you know, you you had a common ground for thinking, and not only that, you didn't sell out so quick. Um, back then, you used to. If there was a difference, you'd be like, all right, you're my brother, you're my sister, you're my cousin, you're my coworker, whatever title you want to pin on someone. The reality was is you didn't walk away from the water cooler when you were offended. You, you, didn't, could, you, you weren't di- offended. You, you, could you discuss talked it out. issues. You didn't yeah. attack people. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right. You, atta- you, you were able to have a, uh, a critical thinking discussion on the issues without killing your cousin or your brother. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And now people start crying and they take their toys and go home. And I'm like, seriously, that was no fun. No. Yeah. No. no. That was not fun. Doing that. But that that is one thing that's missing is is that cohesiveness of having that like mindedness that was rooted well, in the church. Well it's 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 infected families. It's it's certainly got to our society, but the, it's uh, it's it's lacking in our um, in our church. Mm-hmm. And when the church does not lead uh, it's it's the use it or lose it um, axiom here. If you don't uh, teach on morality, critical thinking, uh, class, when the Blessed Mother has to come at the behest of her son and say, let's talk about the first three commandments, there's something going on. Mm-hmm. Not recently, but for now hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So if we don't of, if we don't jump into this, Janet here, because Colleen is just we we've been promising listeners for a couple of weeks here, and this is going to air. We're we're recording in the middle of October, but with editing and scheduling and all of that here, we're probably what seven or fourteen days out, Colleen. Right, we're about twelve days after we record a, a show, but it goes on the air about twelve days. So. And the big deal is everybody's going to think it's Halloween, but the Biggest deal is All Hallows Eve, and it's Saints. All Saints Day, All, Saints All Souls Day. Day. Let's talk about that, and let's talk about the uncle who is not sitting at Grandma's table on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and I do want to talk about that because I think this is one of those Catholic culture things that we were just talking about that's kind of gotten lost, mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful practice. Uh, and so this show should be airing on October 30th and 31st, and so um, I'm not sure if many of our listeners realize that they can make visits to the cemetery November 1st through 8th and pray for the souls in purgatory and there is an indulgence attached to that and I remember the first time I heard that I thought what is that all about yeah we're talking about people that aren't around the dinner table anymore or our grandparents that have gone before us 
Um, and you know, the, the Catholic Church is so beautiful. Uh, I think we mentioned this in the last episode. We've got the Catholics on earth or the, you know, the church militant, right? We're still fighting out and working out our salvation. And the, uh, the uh, Catholics who have died are, and are in heaven are the church triumphant. They've made it. But there's a church called the church suffering and they are the souls in purgatory and we can pray for them and they can pray for us but they can't pray for themselves so what a beautiful act of charity to think of those souls that have gone before us marked with the sign of faith as we say in the eucharistic prayer who might still be suffering in purgatory okay so can i stop you right there absolutely I think our listeners need to understand a baseline here and two two baselines. Number one, what is an indulgence? I think we need to understand that because there used to be some confusion where you could buy your way into heaven by getting indulgences. Only if you're building a cathedral. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other one is, is I'm not sure a lot of people give credit or credence to purgatory anymore because of how they... um, uh, canonize their loved ones when they die they go right to heaven so i oh, think it's important to talk about that that's hor- that's horrible you know it is horrible it's not horrible that we want our loved ones to be in heaven we that's we a good want thing that. we want that but there's such importance here and, and i don't want to lose sight of what you're talking about between the two saints or the all souls and all saints day but if we back up and we say if you go to a cemetery and you're and you do these prayers is because i'm kind of baiting you for what you're going to talk mm-hmm. about but before we get into that, what is an indulgence? So an indulgence, okay, I'll just give the church definition, right. and then we'll just talk about in normal language about yep. it. So the church says that an indulgence is a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins whose guilt has already been forgiven. Okay, now that's kind of a mouthful. That's wordy. That's wordy. That's churchy wordy. Um, so no. between you and me and, and Tom here, what does that mean in reality? Well, break it down. What she said, it's 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 a if then. And the if the the if is if your sins are already forgiven. That's a, read that again, Colleen. Yeah, do yeah. It's a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins whose guilt has already been forgiven. So this is this is the whole point that continues to get lost because it's not being taught, and. Again, if your parish is offering 15 minutes of confession on a Saturday afternoon or by appointment, you got two options. <laughs> Talk to the pastor <laughs> and put a blue light up and say, we're open now for more than 15 minutes, or find another pastor. And I mean that because sins need to be forgiven. That's the second part of that. Once your sins are forgiven, it's not a get-out-of-jail-free uh, card. There is temporal punishment. It's the, the, uh, the story, the, uh, that's not the right word here, but, you know, I hit the baseball, I break your window, you forgive me, all right? I'm forgiven. Reparation. I still have to fix the window for my, my neighbor. Atonement. I have to atone for that. His window is still broken. Right. There's something that every sin, no matter how small, even venial sins, need to have atonement. Right. And people keep going here and saying, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't done a mortal sin. I don't need to go confession. Folks, stop it. 
This is the time of the year where the church calls us back to reality. The reality of it is we don't need to eulogize everybody that lies in the coffin at our church. They are not saints. We pray that they will be. Exactly. Get your soul to confession frequently. If you washed your car as frequently as you wash your soul, you'd have no trade-in value. Right now, a lot of you, your souls are junkers. Stop me if I'm going too long. No, I no, think I, it's I a, think it's, it's a, a point. great point. And, and we don't want anybody's souls to be junkers. It's not that we say these things because we want to be um, fire and brimstone or condemning or judging. We want everybody to be driving a brand new Cadillac. I mean, well, we don't want junkers. We want, we, and we want our loved ones to be in heaven in heaven and saved. And, but we just can't say because we want it, then therefore it is. Well, and the thing, the thing that is so interesting is, um, I think we've lost sight as a culture in our Catholic Diocese of Dubuque specifically. Everybody, it seems like when you have a funeral, like the, it's like the thing to say, oh, they're in a better place. Oh, yeah. oh, they're in heaven now. Oh, I have an angel in heaven. That's almost heresy. It, I mean, it, it is. is heresy. It you, is heresy. You do not go to heaven to become an angel. No, angels it, are. Angels are spirits that are totally definitive in and of themselves. But here's the thing that really just gets me is... People stop going to cemeteries when they bury a loved one because they, they chalk it up to being, that's it. No, that person just had a birthday, a birthday into eternal life somewhere. Let's pray to God. At least they got to purgatory. And the thing we is, is, yeah, we hope. And then the thing is, is that if they're in purgatory, we need to be praying for them. And one of the best ways to pray for them is to have masses said. So, yes, exactly. So let's back it up. Where does it start? With the sacrament of confession during each of our lives, including frequently. frequently. What does that mean? Once a year? No. no. Twice a year? The church no. teaches once a year right. minimum. as a minimum. But do you wash your car once a year to go to your analogy? Folks, if you're not going to, to confession at least once a month, as our Blessed Mother asked for on the first Fridays and the first Saturdays, you're missing the boat. This is where it is. At the uh, and you pray for a happy death, which means you're not in a car accident where your life is snuffed out before you had a chance to go to confession. You, you haven't you before you have a chance to go to confession, and that Saint Joseph, the patron of a happy death, brings a priest to you with the sacrament of the anointing of the sick and the apostolic pardon. Thank yes. you, and doing that, and then praise God that perhaps. The Lord has mercy on us, and he says, all right, you're going to heaven, but not quite yet. Purgatory is the, the pit stop, and that's where we got on this November 1st and November 2nd, Colleen. That's right, because um, uh, the indulgence, which re is a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins whose guilt has already been forgiven, the that indulgence, we can gain that indulgence for those souls in purgatory. And we want to do that. Which yes. means the temporal punishment will be remitted, which yes. means it's like time out of jail. It's commuting the sentence. 
correct? It's, it's applying the merits that belong to the treasury of the church for that person. So, Tom, you had done the other example about if you break the window. Well, the idea of indulgences is kind of like, so then the boy has to, you know, work a little extra to pay off that window. But let's say, you know, it's an expensive window and he's just never going to get there. So the owner throws in some money. Right. Right. So we rely on the merits of the treasures of the church, the merits of, of course, first and foremost, Christ um, and his merits. But Our Lady and the saints, all that goes into this great treasure chest of our Lord. Because we want all of you to get to heaven. We want yeah, everyone to be in heaven. So, so we're, November we're, we're first, bumping up here. How much we are we are? We're, we're out of time. But I want to ask everyone between November 1st and November 8th to visit a cemetery, pray in Our Father and a Hail Mary, and um, a eternal rest grant unto them prayer, and then get to confession so it counts as an indulgence. And it can be any cemetery. It doesn't have to be Catholic, correct? Right. And sometimes I like to go to the Protestant cemeteries because they usually don't have people praying for them. Right. And every time we spring a soul out of purgatory, that soul is going to be waiting for us when we reach eternal life to intercede for us and say to the Lord, they help me, you know, have mercy on them. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Eternal rest. Grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May their souls and the souls of all the faithfully departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. This is The Chatter, Episode 16. I'm Tom Oglesby. I'm Janet Wagner. And I'm Colleen Pasnick. You're listening to FM 98.3 KCRD.